Hello there, friends and foes. It's your girl, Cynthia, coming at you with another edition of Daisy in the Dark, the podcast. So I've kind of taken a new approach, and my focus this season, season two, has been on accessibility because that's kind of where my life is focused, and it's kind of best, I guess, to talk about what affects you and what you know about and um, handicap accessibility and accessibility in the world is what affects me and what I know about. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of travel and so finding the world inaccessible to people with disabilities and chronic illness is what's been facing me the most while I've been traveling and so before I dive into that though I want to make sure that I address you know everything that's going on in the world because it's heavy um you know Everything going on in Ukraine has been so heavy, and I feel like it's really easy for us to focus, focus, focus on something that's heavy in the world, and then as it doesn't just quickly resolve itself and go away, we just move on to something else, and guess what? That's not just going away. So we need to make sure that we stay focused and alert and aware of what's going on over there, and that we don't just because it's not affecting our daily lives and we're not dealing with the destruction and devastation of it on a daily basis that we here in America don't just let ourselves forget about it. And that is true of everything in the world. That's true of what is going on in Syria. That is true of what is going on in Afghanistan. That is true of what is going on in Nigeria. You know, it wasn't very long ago that every single page was talking about um, Afghanistan, that every single page had, you know, hashtag and SARS, which um, was the police brutality that was going on in Nigeria. Well, guess what? Nothing has been done in that country to end that brutality. But because it didn't just come to a quick and speedy end. We here in America just moved on to the next crisis and the next trend and the next easy hashtag. Um, The same is kind of true, well, not kind of true, the same is true of Breonna Taylor. When that didn't come to a quick and speedy end, we moved on to the next hashtag, well, There's been no justice in that case. So we need to make sure that the things that we were passionate about two years ago, if there hasn't been a resolve, that we are looking back on the things that we were passionate about and checking and saying, hey, was there justice? Has there been a resolve? Is there still a need for us to be pushing and passionate and looking at these things? So um, that's my spiel really quick. Um, I think it's very important that we as Americans are looking at those racial justice issues. I also think it's extremely
extremely important that we as Americans are focusing on Florida right now and what's going on with Ron DeSantos and his attack on democracy and his attack on liberty and justice and what he is doing to the American system and way of life. Um, I think that if we just ignore what's going on, it's a mistake and it's going to get wildly out of control. So that's my little um, spiel on justice and government and politics. And I will probably do a longer podcast at some point on my feelings on that. But I wanted to touch on that really quick because I don't want people to think that I am ignoring these things and that I'm not looking at these things. And um, I'm very, you know, if you look at my social media, you'll know that I, I'm very much um, aware and passionate and, and doing what I can to speak out about these issues and use my voice as much as I can and amplify the voices of black advocates, black creators, so that um, their voices and, and their their words and their teachings um, are being as heard as possible. Um, on Instagram, I encourage you to check out uh, Let Me Educate You by Jamal. Um, check Your Privilege. Huge resource right there with Maisha T. Hill. Bees um, uh, Doran um, at According to Bees. I, 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 I'm so sorry. I draw blanks and I, I forget my train of thought. Um, uh, uh, Buy Black Authors is another great resource. Um, he is using his platform to bring attention to black artists, authors, educators. It's um, another great resource. Um, so, yes, those are just a few off the top of my head that I'm thinking of. Um, oh my gosh, my girl, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just drawing a blank here, um, and I, she's my, she's my girl, um, oh, I'm gonna die, I'll, I'll think of her, and I'll, I'll put her in my notes, I, I can't even believe I'm not thinking of her right now, I can't think of her name. Um, let me see if I can find her real quick on my, uh, Brandy, Brandy was here. You've got to check her out. She's great. I love her. She's, a, a, a coach. Wonderful. Check, check out these resources so that the, the correct voices in this work are being amplified. Okay. So that's what I have to say about that. Okay. Now let's talk about accessibility. Um, I, have written about it. I have a blog that I do. I've been writing a little bit more talking about my experience going to a hotel and I requested a handy hype accessible room. So here's what you need to know. If you're traveling and you are disabled and you go online and you book a handicap accessible room, okay? When you are booking your handicap accessible room online, you cannot just say, okay, it's booked and they say it's handicap accessible. 
you have to call and verify the type of accessibility that that room has. Because what I found out in my, in my last few trips is that hotels have different standards of what they consider accessibility. So I show up at my last hotel and I walk into a room that has an abnormally low to the ground toilet with no accessible handrails, a step-in shower. So it's not actually a bathtub step-in shower, but it has like a two-inch lip to step into. No removable shower head, no bench to sit on, no handrails to hold on to. And it's considered a handicap accessible room. And I was like, I called to, down to the front office and I was like, this is not gonna work for me. I, I, I can bear, you know, I, I have to have, because of my disability, I have to have, if it's not a raised toilet, especially, I have to have handrails to use to get up and down because, I, you know, um, that's one of my, I, to get up and down, I have to have something to hold on to. And they said, oh, we don't have any other rooms available. That's all we have. And I said, how exactly is this, you know, disabled? And she's like, I'm so sorry. And so I called the Holiday Inn that I was going to be staying at two nights later when we were moving to a different town and the gentleman there was finally able to explain to me what was going on. The accessibility of the room I was staying at was for hearing impaired and that's a huge disability. I, I don't knock that disability because with MS um, hearing is affected and I I, I do face the possibility of losing my hearing at some point. Um, I'm not saying I will, but that's, so being deaf and, and having a hearing disability um, is a huge disability. And so that room comes with a doorbell, um, a light that will flash if someone's ringing your door. It has like accessibility for people with a hearing disability. And that's wonderful. But if I'm booking a room online and I request a handicap accessible room, it should tell me that, hey, guess what? You're probably wanting ex physical accessibility and this room is not offering that. Granted, I mean, I didn't, so, you know, obviously I didn't know that. You know, um, in the world of accessibility, I'm thinking if you're requesting a handicap accessible room, you're getting physical accessibility. So just if, if you're kind of new, so people also think that if you have a physical disability, you've always had it. That's not the case, especially with MS. A lot of us didn't get diagnosed until we were late into our 20s. And then for me, I got diagnosed with MS when I was in my late 20s. It didn't, I didn't consider myself disabled from MS until about 
four years ago, which put me in my late 30s, and I didn't start using um, accessibility, you know, handicap accessibility rooms and devices until about two years ago. So, you know, when I was about 40. So, for a lot of us, it, it can be a new experience. It can be something new, or it can be caused from an accident. Say you're in. so, it's not something that we all know our way around. It can be a new world, a new experience, and for a lot of us, it's something that it's not just something that you're like so brave and bold to walk into and just be open about. You know, it's this has been a huge learning curve for me. Um, even being willing to use my mobility device in public was huge for me. I remember a trip I took with my husband where he had hurt his leg and he was like, oh, I'm just going to get a cane to use. And I was just mortified because it had taken everything in me, in my spirit, in my mind, in my soul, in every morsel of my being to muster up the courage to use a mobility device in public, to use, I use a forearm crutch. And it took everything I had in the depths of the strength of my soul to use my forearm crutch in public. And here he was just like with a sore knee being like, oh, I'm just gonna use a, a cane. And I was just like, to me, it was so disrespectful. And I know that's not how he meant it. And I know that's not how he saw it. And I know that's probably not how a lot of people saw it. But to me and the experience that I was going through of accepting that my body was different and in a place of change and in a place that it wasn't ever going back maybe to the place that it was, it was just such a huge, it was so hard. And then to see him just so casually and easily just grabbing a cane and being like, my knee hurts, so I'm just going to use this device in public. It was, it was just, it was devastating to me. So when I travel and I'm being for, you know, my body is giving me no choice but to have to use these assistive devices. And then the world makes it so hard, society makes it so hard to blend in in any way, to have comfort in any way, to have ease in any way, to go shopping at a store and every aisle is so tight that you bump and nearly not, I mean, it's so stressful to be in a shop, you know, in a cart, in a scooter. And that's the only way, you know, I can't be on my forearm crutch walking around all day shopping. That's just too exhausting. So I have to use a scooter. But the stores are set up so that it's so stressful. And you're so afraid you're going to bump into something or knock something over. And so many stores 
don't have, we have a lift or a step or a bump. And so many places don't have an accessible bathroom. And here's my biggest thing for hotels. I understand that it's not reasonable to expect every hotel bathroom to have a roll-in shower. That's not reasonable. But I do think that more than four hotel rooms should have an accessible bathroom, especially because as you fill up, you're renting out your accessible rooms to non-disabled people. So. I think that more than four rooms should have fully accessible because non-disabled people can use the disabled rooms, okay? But disabled people cannot use non-disabled rooms. So I also think that if you simply put accessible bars in every bathroom by the toilets, I know it's not aesthetically pleasing, but all you have to do is put a hand bar in every public toilet, in every public bathroom, and you have just turned that restroom into an accessible bathroom for like probably 30% of the disabled population. How amazing would that be? Like so many more disabled people would be able to, you know, like it's just one more small step. And then why in the world are like the hand towels or the hand dryers so far from the sink? So I've got my arm crutch. I wash my hands. I have to, with wet hands, hobble with my crutch across the bathroom. Like what the hell is that? And then the floor's all wet. Like, why are we not using people with disabilities to design bathrooms, to design these things? It's obvious when you go into a disabled bathroom, a disabled, anything designed for disabled people, it's obvious that they didn't use a disabled person to design it. And I don't understand why. Why are we not asking the people that it's designed for to design it. Women, if something's designed for a woman, why are women not designing it? If something's designed for a child, why are we at least not getting their input on how they would want it to be? If something's designed for a man, why are we not asking him how he would want it? If something's designed for an indigenous person, why are we not asking them how they would want it? If something's designed for a black person, why are we not asking them how they would want it? My family and I recently went up to Sun River in Oregon and we were at the museum there and we were going through the Native American display. And I gotta tell you, it was offensive to me as a white person, the way that they so blatantly tried to make it seem like, look what we white people did to better the lives of the Native Americans by committing mass genocide. 
it was awful. I got to tell you, if you ever have a chance to go out there and see this, it's disgusting. It's awful. They literally have like teepees set up with starter jackets, baseball caps, and coolers inside. It's disgusting. Okay. And my future brother-in-law is, um, he's an indigenous man. And so I, I asked him, because I was feeling so uncomfortable and so disgusted by what I was seeing. So I asked him, I said, how do you feel about this? You know, like I was feeling just kind of sick to my stomach by what I was seeing and what I was watching. I mean, you go inside, they have a teepee set up with a TV, literally playing a Western movie. So I asked him, I said, how, how are you feeling right now? Like, what is this, what is this making you feel like? Cause I, I wasn't sure if it was just me. And he was like, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm sick to my stomach. And I was like, okay. I was like, I, 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 I got, yeah, that's, that's where I was. That's what I was thinking, you know, obviously this whole display, this whole thing was set up by someone who wanted their white experience to be thanked. And it's just like, no. These things need to be presented by the person that it's about. So, sorry, <laughs> that's, that's a tangent, but it's an important one. So, um, and that reminds me, that's something I need to, <laughs> that's on my to-do list to, to discuss, um, is that museum in, in Sun River. Um, I think it's actually in Bend. But, um, so yeah, it's just, as I'm going through this new life and this new part of me and I am getting my hip replaced, but, um, fixing my hip doesn't change my MS and I have to give myself reasonable expectations of the new life that I'm going to have as I get my hip fixed and I know that one aspect of my physical disability is going to be completely transformed and yet there's a whole other part of my person that isn't going to be different and so I'm trying to manage my expectations and yet still celebrate the excitement and joy of what's getting ready to happen. So that's interesting and difficult. And this is probably the longest podcast I've ever done, but there's a lot to talk about. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. If you are, thank you for listening to my previous podcasts. Um, this is Cynthia with Daisy in the Dark, the podcast. You can listen on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Daisy in the Dark, the podcast. Have a great day.